Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, America, and happy Thursday. What a treat we have for you today. The man who ran Ronald Reagan's famous Morning in America campaign has advised nearly every president for the last five decades. Ed Rollins, one of the great political consultants in all of America, joining us today. We're going to talk about his effort to call attention to Ron DeSantis and the possibility of a presidential run in 2024, the legacy and the growing role of Donald Trump in the party and the Republican, what Trumpism is compared to what Reaganism was, and so many other great issues, including the big question, should Republicans stop turning their back on early voting, get in the game, do the same thing as Democrats, legally, by the way, not unlawfully, and try to change the outcome of elections. Ed Rollins has some pretty strong thoughts on that. We're going to cover that today. And then in the second half of our interview, we've got a great interview with Jay Burr. He is one of the great oil men in America, runs one of the most important companies in all of America, Panex Oil and Gas. It's the heart and backbone of the great oil and gas industry in America. He's got some thoughts on gas prices, on the Biden administration's policies, how America lost its footing as an energy independent country and how it could get it back and what is going on elsewhere in the world, how it might affect your pocketbook, your wallet, your gas tank, your food table. Those are important conversations. Jay Burr, one of the more delightful people to talk to in the oil and gas industry. He'll follow in the second half of this podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. We're going to get started right after this commercial break with none other than our very good friend, Ed Rollins. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 
Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. My next guest, well, he's been making history for almost a half century now, working in Republican politics for everybody from Ronald Reagan all the way up to today, leading the campaign called Ready for Ron to get Ron DeSantis into the presidential election. Joining me right now, one of the greatest minds in all of politics, he is Ed Rollins. Ed, great to have you on the show. My pleasure, John. How are you? I am doing well. You have your, you always have your finger on something super exciting. And so many people are talking about the Ron DeSantis movement. Will he get in? Won't he get in? You created a very special pack called Ready for Ron. It's created a lot of enthusiasm. You can really see a coalition building. Tell us what's going on with Ready for Ron. Well, the reason we started Ready for Ron uh, was that he, he had he was running for re-election in the state, had an extraordinary uh, re-election, uh, raised a ton of money, uh, won by an extraordinary margin, uh, you know, 60% of the vote. But he couldn't start a presidential campaign at the same time he was, he was moving forward. Plus, he's tied for about the next six months to it almost three quarters of a year. He has a legislative session. He's got a whole bunch of things he's got to do in Florida before he can basically start the process of, of running for president. So there are a lot of people outside of Florida who wanted to be helpful. That's how we started it. We started organizing names. We started organizing. Uh, and and my, my premise has always been, uh, you go look at the last election and you fix it. Uh, you, you don't rerun it a second time. And you certainly don't, uh, don't basically ever, ever, underestimate the voters uh, and how you appeal to them. And what we've done in the last three elections is we have pretended early voting doesn't count. Early voting does count. The Democrats have, have beaten us at that game, and we have to go out and organize. And basically, we're probably not going to change it any place. So we, we can't roll over and lose. On, we can win on Election Day and lose the weeks before that. When I started in politics 50 years ago, I was told by legendary figure Jesse Unruh in California. I started out as a Democrat, became a Republican in 1972 with Nixon. And Unruh said to me, there's three things about politics. One is you find your voters. Two, you communicate with those voters. And three, you get them out on election day. Now, there's a thousand more ways of communicating with voters. There's a thousand more ways of getting them to the, to the voting place. And the reality is there's no there's no voting day anymore. It's uh, some places a month. And, and, and so you have to have to make those adjustments. And what you got to do is you got to find your voters. You got to cater to those voters. You got to communicate with those voters. And and, and the Reagan model that I used uh, in 1984 was we went out and we registered six million new voters. Uh, and and we went out and we had we had about uh, hundreds of thousands of volunteers who wanted to get back in the game because what had happened is the consultants had sort of taken over many of the parties and they weren't interested in volunteers. I'm always interested in volunteers. But you've got to give them a task. And so what we did is we took every one of these these new voters and we said to the volunteers, would you take 10 voters? Would you take 10 of these new people and adopt them? They're in your neighborhood. Go talk to them. Make sure they vote. Make sure they're registered to vote. Make sure they they feel welcome. Uh, and, and we did it and obviously had the, had the big victory, the, the 49th state victory in 19, uh, 1994. Uh, 
with Ronald Reagan, people always said that it was right to run Ronald Reagan. This is like riding secretariat. All you had to do is just not fall off the horse. Uh, he, was by, he, was by far, he was by far the greatest candidate I've ever seen and a great president. And, and it was an honor to, to serve him and, and be a part of his, his team, both in the White House and the campaign. He still looms large as a figure well after he has passed on, but his legacy still motivates so many conservatives. And that's really remarkable to say there's very few figures in American history that 50 years later still have as large a shadow and influence over the political movement they began. And he, I had an opportunity a couple of years ago, and I think it really speaks to a couple of the challenges that the conservative movement faces right now. But about a decade ago, I got a chance to spend a day with George H.W. Bush down in Houston, and he was very reflective and sort of an elder statesman mode. He told me two stories about Ronald Reagan that had stuck with him. And I, I think both of the advices that were given that day to President Bush from President Reagan seem really relevant today. The first was he related right after Reagan had picked him as the vice president, kind of shocking some people. And George said, hey, Ronnie, do you have any advice for me? And he said, George, from now on, if you pull a hand grenade in our foxhole, for God's sakes, throw it on the other guys. Reminder that you shouldn't blow up your own team in your own foxhole. And it seems to be a lot of that going on in the Republican Party. The second advice he said Ronald Reagan gave, which is, I'm a principled man, but I'll never unilaterally disarm, which is if the rules are the rules, play by the rules, don't don't unilaterally disarm. You address the first, I think, with the need for Republicans to own and succeed and excel at early voting. The internal fighting, how does the conservative movement get away from attacking each other and really focus on turning its fire on those that they're trying to defeat in the election? Well, the most important thing Reagan ever did, as far as I was concerned, I had a lot of time with him over a 16-year period, is he never said anything bad about anybody. Uh, he never even mentioned his opponents uh, in a negative way. Uh, he was a happy warrior. That doesn't mean he wasn't tough. It doesn't mean he wasn't uh, a good politician. It's just he said there's, there's, no, there's no benefit to going out and knocking somebody. I mean, you badmouth someone, whether it's your own party or the other party, uh, you lose voters. Everybody, everybody has supporters. So if I'm going to go out and I'm going to knock the Democrats around, I'm, I, there's, there's less chance of me going out and getting those swing Democrats to come vote for me. And the infighting that we have today, it's not about philosophy. It's not about ideology. It's about personalities. That's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Uh, uh, you know, to me, you just keep your mouth shut. You bite your tongue. Uh, you deal behind closed doors. Uh, it's, it's, like, it's like pro football players. You know, you go fight it out in the locker room and on the field. But you don't do it on you don't do it on television. You don't do it, uh, and and there's too much of that bad mouthing and, and this. Uh, and, and in a way, you know, the, the, some of the younger members they sort of see this as the way of getting on television: be outrageous, be uncontroversial, uh, and they really mix up the message. Uh, I mean, what we have to really focus on is how do we communicate? What is it we're gonna What is it we're gonna run on in two years, uh, both in the presidential and in the House and the Senate? Because the critical thing here is we don't have enough Republicans, obviously. We'd have got another 10, 15 in the House. We could be moving the ball forward. But we've got to make sure this is a reapportionment year. You've got to make sure you don't lose any of those seats. You gain some. Uh, you know, we've got four new seats in New York that we could easily lose if we're not careful. So so my sense is we've got to go out and build on that, uh, go find some other seats, because you don't want to get locked in this, you know, five, six-seat majority for the next decade, even if you hold a majority, or always run the risk of losing majority, which is where we are, like the Senate went also. So the re reality here is really get mechanical, really get good people in here to, who want to both be good candidates and also good good operatives, and and don't rip people off. I mean, the reality is we spent more money in this last election than we ever had in history, uh, both at the presidential level and the Senate House. 
and didn't gain anything. Uh, obviously, the message isn't working when you spend billions of dollars and, and you don't pick up any seats. So go figure out what messages. Go figure out what people want to hear, uh, and and make sure that's true to your philosophy, and go advocate it. Uh, and don't make it complicated. You are a master messenger. You've been able to consolidate the best ideas of the conservative movement for more than a half century. It does seem to be a party missing in some way a clear message, a proposition. It's got policies that are more popular than the Democrats. Sometimes it has politicians more popular than the Democrats. Clearly, Ron DeSantis wins by 20 points. That's a landslide. But the message for the party as a whole, it seems like it's missing an identity and it's missing a message of what it stands for and how it would make a difference in the life of Americans. What should Republicans' message be in 23-24? Well, first of all, you have to you have to figure out what's bothering people. And what's bothering people out there are, are the, certainly the immigration issues, certainly the high gas, high food prices, what have you. And you got to talk to people about those things and how you're going to, what, what are your solutions? What, and how do you contrast your solutions with the Democrats? And that's not a hard task to do. It's just to be, it just to just, we are too much in a tendency. Let's get even. We now have the majority. So let's go, let's go pound by and let's go do to buy what they, what they try to do to us. You can do that. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, you know, we've got, a, we've got committees that can do that and investigate Biden and, his, and, and the improprieties that have taken place. But don't make that your sole message. You know, the idea of impeaching Biden again, uh, the country doesn't want another impeachment. Uh, uh, and they, they, they want, and, and, and it'll, be our, it'll be our death knell. Uh, and we won't get the kind of play that the Democrats got on there when they went after Trump because the national media, you know so well, isn't in our camp. We've got Fox, we've got Washington Times, we've got a few other publications, the New York Post. But the vast majority of media in this country is against us. And we have to somehow go around them, over them, under them, knock them out of the way. But you've got to be very consistent in your message. And, and, and the reality is we're not, we're not that way. And, and so that's what McCarthy has to do. Uh, that's what McConnell has to do. And you have to make sure that everybody's talking on the same page. And it can't be, it can't be a big menu. The, you know, it used to be when Reagan came in, we were for strong national defense. We were for good fiscal policy. We were for no taxes, no tax increases, and less government. Uh, uh, you know, all of those things were, were, were selling points and obviously led to two massive landslides. Uh, Bush, unfortunately, un, undid them. He, he raised taxes, he cut defense, uh, and he started expanding government. And in his re-election, he, he got down, we went from 59% Reagan's re-election, re-election to Bush's re-election, he got to 37%. That's a big drop-off. And obviously, George, George W. Bush was a good, a good man, uh, and, and H.W. Bush was a good man. But at the end of the day, they didn't communicate as well as Reagan did, or didn't quite believe as well. Right now, we we got to we got to tackle the people's problems. We got to show the country that we're different than the Democrats. And the Democrats are tied down by their constituency groups. Their constituency groups want expanded government, more taxes, more more you know, change uh, Social Security and Medicare, uh, and and we can't we can't do those things. The one certainty is that the Republican parties policies have been adapted a little bit. And I think a lot of people look at it and say Trumpism is a natural extension of Reaganism. And so the policies that Donald Trump brought in seem to be fairly popular. Most of them are quite popular. How does the party embrace those in someone like Ron DeSantis, who wants to unseat President Trump in 2024? How does he say, listen, I can carry out these policies, but I'm not going to have the baggage that Donald Trump brings with his, his bad boy behavior. If DeSantis gets into the race, how does he navigate embracing the policies in navigating around the personality? 
Well, obviously, I'm not going to run DeSantis' campaign. We're, we're a super PAC. But what I would suggest to him, if I, if I could, is, again, talk to people about what they want. Uh, as a governor, you're there every day. You know what the issues are. Immigration is an important issue in Florida. Florida is a growth growth state. Uh, and why, why are people moving to Florida in record numbers? It's not just the taxes. It's the quality of life. Uh, you got to make the schools better. You got to make the health care better. You got to make do a lot of things. Uh, but first of all, you can't you, you can't have such a comprehensive plan that no one understands it. It has to be simple, uh, and and simple doesn't mean it's it's not a complex issues. But I think the reality is you've got to got to talk in language that people understand, like the debt ceiling. The debt ceiling needs to be explained to the American public uh, why we can't have thirty trillion dollars in debt and what what'll happen to us. If that continues to grow as it is today unchecked, uh, what it'll do to your kids and your grandkids, what it's going to do to your, you know, just the, pretty soon the, the interest on the debt will be the biggest item in the whole frickin' budget. So, you know, those are things you got to you got to get on top of and not be afraid of, and and uh, and, and articulate it in a, in, a, in a manner that's not, you know, you don't have to have twenty things. You can have five, six things that matter to people. Right now, people people say, why are eggs so expensive? I got an egg sandwich. I got bacon and eggs from my the little deli down the street, and it cost me three times more than it did a year ago. Why? Why is gas so expensive? What are we doing? How are we bringing it down? Uh, quality of life of people today is, is starts with their pocketbook, and secondly is you know renters, homeowners, gas prices. Those are things we have to talk about. Yeah, it's funny. And in the end run of the 2022 election, Republicans really got off message. I think the Republican commitment with America was too dense, right? It was like 120 policy items. How do you boil that down? Simplicity really matters in the messaging. Pick two or three things that summarize the mood of the nation and offer an optimistic way to achieve them, right? Because people don't want to just know what's wrong. They want to know how you're going to fix it. That'll be one of the challenges for Republicans as they investigate censorship as they investigate vaccines or China COVID origins. It's key that they not only find the problem right and highlight it and exploit it, that they also show that they have the solution for it. Is that going to be an important part of the arsenal that Republicans need to learn? Absolutely. And and the, and the problem is we haven't had many policy people in the Congress, the House and the Senate, that have been developing new policies. Uh, you know, we went, we went through a long battle on Obamacare. Uh, we had people that knew health care uh, Bob Dole, others uh, who who had alternative plans, and if they would have got them passed, we wouldn't have Obamacare. And where I misread and I fought Obamacare when it was when it was Hillary Care before that, um, what I what I misunderstood and I think we un- misunderstood is it was a great political plan for the Democrats. It basically extended to a lot of our constituents their health care plan. Uh, and so when we keep talking about getting rid of it. Uh, we didn't understand that there are constituents out there who are our constituents, swing Democrats or, or Republicans who needed that. They didn't have an alternative. And we need and, – and they – so when you look at the plan as a brilliant, brilliant political plan, uh, it, it, you look at it differently. Uh, and we kept the old, the old uh, you know, propaganda going forward, uh, and we didn't offer an alternative. Uh, you know, I, I think today we have to realize that controlling the House by three or four votes – uh, is one small segment of the, of the of the government. It's an important segment, but you got to make sure that every time you throw a throw a spear, it strikes home and and people understand why you're doing it. And that's that's what I would argue uh, is 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 have a two year plan uh, to get you to the next election, 
then beyond that, have a four-year plan of how you move the country when you get the Senate, which we have a great chance of picking the Senate back up again. We do it right and adding to the House and winning a presidency, uh, depending on who our candidates are. Then you've got an agenda. You can move the agenda forward. The conservatives always win when they lead with their ideas. That's the lesson of 1994. It's the lesson of Ronald Reagan. Most of the great ideas that are currently bubbling up in the conservative movement are not coming from Washington. They're coming in the states or Oklahoma with its portable school choice vouchers, which now is spreading to many other states. The things that Ron DeSantis has done in Florida on everything from social media censorship to investigating people's legitimate concerns about the vaccine. You don't have to be anti-vax to look at, make sure we can make them safer. Is the rise of such extraordinary federalism in the states been one of the strengths of the conservative movement now? And how do we take those great ideas and start to embed them in the folks in Washington? Absolutely. I mean, my, my sense... <laughs> The Constitution made it very clear that things that aren't directly in the Constitution, it's the state's rights to go do. And the states are much closer to the people. They know what the problems are. They, they have to deal with them day in and day out. And even when you get it beyond states, you get it to cities and counties and what have you. Uh, it's like policing. Policing is, is not a federal problem. It's a, it's a city and a county problem. Uh, and, and when it gets to a state level, then you get a little more complicated. But deal at the level, the lowest level possible, and, and, and get good people to run at those levels. That's what I worry a little bit about is that, uh, you know, we're now focusing on the Congress, focusing on the Senate. Uh, we've got some good governors, but we've got to get good local people. Uh, and, and we need mayors across this country that can basically share our philosophy and make things happen. Yeah. George Soros on the left has really out-hustled the Republicans in the last two decades at the local level, whether the district attorney or the mayor or the uh, secretary of state. And those are important positions to hold to keep this country together, aren't they? Well, he, George Soros ought to be the top, number one target. I, if I was running campaigns at a national level, I would take the $40 billion that you spent. I'd say you're unhappy about people breaking into stores. You're unhappy about lawlessness on the subway. This is the man who's responsible. He wants DAs. He's gone out and tried to elect DAs that don't want to put bad people in jail. Bad people need to go to jail. And he's the guy responsible for it. I'd make him into a bogeyman from one end of this country to the other. Yeah, the new evil empire, the enemy within. The message that when I go out into the field for a day or two and I get to meet with everyday Americans or I do one of my town halls at Just the News, I hear a really simple message, which feels like a re-election message, but it's coming from the people, which is, can you please make my city and my community, my school safer? Can you make my grocery bill, my gas and my tax bill a little bit lower? And can you get government out of the way of my business or my life? I'll decide what's best for my kid. I'll decide what's best for my family. And I'll decide what my opinion is on social media. Just get out of my way. Those simple three tenets, get government out of the way, make things cheaper, and make life safer seem to be at the root of the American discontent with Joe Biden and the left. Can Republicans come up with a message that wins in 2024 by addressing those three things? Well, if they, if they don't, they're not going to win. Uh, the reality is young people don't want big government. Young people are so dissatisfied with both sides. And that's got to be where, you know, we, we have the older voters, uh, you know, and we've had the older voters for a while, but they're going to die off, <laughs> me, me included. The reality here is how do you attract the young voters? How do you make them become voters for, the, for your party? And once they do, they, they, they stay there for a period of time and maybe a lifetime. And we have to, that's, that's where our appeal has to be. Equally as important, we need to go to the Asian community. We need to go to the Hispanic community. We need to bring these people and make them feel welcome. 
Uh, and the way you make them feel welcome is you open the door and you talk to them and you elect people from their communities to Congress and the state the legislature and what have you, and you make a real effort to make them in- inclusive, policy of inclusive, not exclusive. And unfortunately, Republicans have for a long time uh, gotten put off track. Yeah, yeah, they have. And it's, it's no longer feasible for uh, Republicans not to address climate change because so much of the electorate is expecting something they've been pre-programmed, maybe by their teachers and their educators and their social media influencers. But here's an amazing thing that I always find crazy. Donald Trump with Rick Perry put together a uh, energy plan that got America to the same carbon levels that the Democrats have been promising for two decades and not gotten there, but they did it with nuclear and natural gas. Do Republicans need to embrace that plan, sell that plan and say, listen, Democrats gave you all the windmills and solar and we ain't any better off. We can get you there with nuclear and gas. Is it important for young generations to hear Republicans have that sort of plan on the table? Absolutely. You know, my, my father was a shipyard worker. He built nuclear submarines. He worked for 40 years in a shipyard in California. Uh, and so I've been around nuclear all my life. Uh, nuclear is the only way you can go if you're going to move away from all this stuff. You have to guarantee safety. You have to make sure there's a consistency. Uh, but at the end of the day, for us to try and do with windmills and all these stupid things, uh, we're, we're, we're now talking about, you know, it's now affecting whales. Uh, and, and, and the young people, you talk to young people, this is what they care about. And, and, they, and so you have to address the issues and, and, and you have to be a leader on it. Uh, governor Perry was a fabulous governor and, and was a great secretary of the energy. And, and that was, and he had a great plan and he understood it from a, coming from an oil producing state. Uh, he understood what was needed. And, you know, we've not had anybody do that since. And my sense is that, uh, those are the people we need to listen to. Uh, those are the people. I, I happen to be a big fan of governors. I think governors deal. Uh, you know, we, we now are in a tendency to nominate senators or what have you. And governors have to do the. They they run like a run like a mini government. They have to have cabinet officers. They have to deal with taxes. They have to deal with with people every day. Uh, you know, legislators don't. Federal legislators don't automatically have to do that. So. My sense if DeSantis ends up being the nominee, maybe maybe the new the new leader, the governor's to move the move the ball forward with new ideas, new, new propositions. Born born to the uh, by the job closest to the American people, governors are most responsive. Last question for you: You have a keen political sense. You've been picking winners for a long time. What was it, and what is it about Ron DeSantis that gets you the most excitement about the future for his career and, and for him as potentially being? the guy who could be the standard bearer of the party in the near future. He's smart. He's tough. Uh, he, 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 you know, he's willing, he doesn't care if he's loved. Uh, and that's a very important asset. Uh, uh, you know, Ronald Reagan was a man who was loved, but Ronald Reagan also didn't care if he was loved, if, if he was right. Uh, and my sense is DeSantis is going to do what's not political, going to do what's good, best interest of the American public. And if you do that and, and have the Reagan philosophy of getting 80% today and the next 20% next year, the following year, uh, I think he can be a very effective governor, uh, as he's been. And I think he's going to be, could be a very effective president. Yeah, a lot of people are definitely thinking that way. Ed, for people who want to get involved with Ready for Ron, what's the easiest way to do that? I just go uh, go on the, the site, Ready for Ron, uh, and 
you, you will continue to communicate with you as we go as we move forward. So yeah, very big movement. A lot of people have excitement about it. It's always an honor to have you on this show. You're one of the wisest men I've ever had the chance to talk to in politics. A great honor to have you on today, sir. Thank you so much. Call me anytime, John. I will appreciate that. I'm going to take you up on that. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. I always love talking to this next guest. You get the straight skinny on what's really going on in America's energy markets, in our energy exploration, and why the forces in Washington are disconnected to the people they represent in the real world. Joining me right now from Panix Oil and Gas, our good friend, Jay Bird. Jay, great to have you back on the show. Hey, John, it is wonderful to be here. Are you doing all right today? We are indeed. We are indeed. I'm not sure our country's doing all right, but I'm definitely doing pretty well. I want to dive right in because you are such a great voice of what really is going on in the oil and gas industry. We get a lot of happy talk out of Washington, but nothing really has changed. The Biden administration is on the exact same course of choking down oil and gas exploration and pushing a, a electric technology that's really decades away from being able to be widespread. Tell us what you're seeing on the producer front. Any sign for optimism? Well, I, in general, I mean, I, we kind of look at it. I, with everything slowing down in the world, I do see another drop in prices uh, upcoming. However, for, for companies sitting in, in our position and for wanting to do what we want to do, that's probably a good thing for a little while because it, it just opens up the, the opportunity to acquire more reserves and, and build a stronger foundation when the economy does come roaring back. Right. Because it's going to come back. It, it will. It's We're America. We don't, uh, we don't lay down for very long. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And what is amazing is even though the regulatory pressures are in the opposite direction, American ingenuity continues to squeeze out as much as it can in production to get the prices down and help Americans as best they can. Tell a little bit about what producers have done in the last year, even in the face of a lot of resistance from the Biden administration. Well, the, the main thing you can do is keep plowing. You know, you're always going to face resistance, and it's going to take different forms. It could be a regulatory issue one day. It could be a, a mechanical issue the second day. But as long as you show up every day, you come early, you stay late, uh, is what uh, you remember that 70s show, as old Red said, it, if it was fun, they wouldn't call it work. You know, and so you come and you, and you work hard. Now, if you love what you do, that makes it a lot easier. But, but the, the, the key to it is everything. It's sticking to it. And if you keep driving and you keep plowing, eventually corn will start growing. 
Yeah, that's such an important thing, isn't that right? It's so very important. As you look out, what is the potential beneath our feet, realistic potential beneath our feet that the Biden administration is keeping off the market right now? Oh, there, there's on now. It's it's really just it's misdirection. I mean, you you don't want to put on a tenfold hat and be called a conspiracy theorist, but when you sit that back and just look at the industry and look at the decisions that have been made, these are all self-inflicted wounds. Now, when it comes to where we're going and what's going to end up happening, I mean, you just really you can't keep pumping a false world and hoping that people don't wake up and realize that it's a false world. You know, we, we've discussed before, as much as we want and hope and dream of, about having a clean, clean, free energy, it's not there. And, and so when, when you look at the world and our, our really our dependence on oil, nothing's going to change and, and unless somebody comes up with a world-shattering invention. But the big change I do see is historically, when, when you look back over the decades, and it doesn't matter what industry it is, the bottom line had been the determining factor in everything you were doing. How much money was it going to make you? And the big evolution I see is now there's another factor entering into that, that equation that wasn't represented before. And, and it's a large percentage of Americans are saying, hang on. The next factor I have to put in there is, is this best for my country? And, and, and so now when you add that into it, you might choose to go one route that isn't as profitable because it's better for your country. And, and that's what we see happening is we see a, a, oh, a congealing of ideas where people, you know, I don't know whether it'll be an alternative economy. I, you know, I don't know what they're, I'm not, uh, you know, that's above my pay grade, as they like to say. But, uh, you know, you see people... Americans are tired of it. We, we, you know, we are a proud people. You know, we, we do want the best for everybody. But it's one of those deals that uh, if you kill the golden goose, everybody's in, in misery. However, if the golden goose is healthy, everybody has a chance to prosper. But the key is you got to treat the golden goose right. <laughs> you know, you, 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 can't, you can't abuse that golden goose and expect it to keep laying those golden eggs. And, and that's what we've been doing for, for the last hundred years. That's what we've been doing. We've been beating up America to feed the world. And uh, if your own foundation isn't secure, your house will never stand. And, and we've spent a hundred years weakening our foundation. Now it's time to focus on it again and rebuild that foundation. The arc of energy prices in the next 12 months, what can the everyday American consumer expect with Joe Biden at the helm? Man, it really just depends on what they do. I mean, if, if you kind of have two countering, uh, countering factors pulling on, a, on the price for oil right now, you have the fact that they are shutting down so much production, forcing it to rise, but at the same time, your world's economies are slowing down. And so the demand is dropping a little, and so you're seeing that pulling it down. And so you're kind of finding an equilibrium between 60 and 80. And uh, I really, you know, unless something crazy goes on, that's where I'm basing my economics on over the next year. I, I tend to run numbers lower because when I talk with my partners, we're, we're basing everything off the price of barrel of oil. And I would much rather tell my guys I'm going to send them one and send them 10 versus telling them I'm going to send them 10 and send them one. one. One way I'm a hero, the other way I'm a goat. And so, so when I run numbers with them, I'll typically base my numbers at $40, $50. And if we're happy with them at $40, $50, we'll be tickled with them with what they are, whatever they are, whether they're 60 80 100 Now, if they get to 120 my partners are cutting back flips. Because every dollar we pay at the pump, they're making money in their pocket. That's a great point, isn't it? It really is. As you look out at the geopolitical world, it looks like increasing 
efforts for this administration is to make us more reliant on OPEC, more reliant on some of our frenemies and enemies. China, meanwhile, is gobbling up a lot of energy resources around the world. Is there anything that you've seen the new Congress do that starts a process of getting us back towards more home production and more energy independence the way we were when we handed over the keys to Joe Biden in January 2021? Realistically, no. Uh, I mean, Congress can, can do certain things, but it's essentially a stalemate. And, and so when we were talking earlier, I, I was saying, you know, what, when we originally started our journey down this path on what we saw was here about three years ago, and we thought that window would close in about 18 to 24 months. And, and realistically, I thought, I thought this past election, grownups would return and sanity would, ret- would return. And that didn't happen. And so really, with, with Republicans taking the House, I mean, unless they show tremendous courage that they haven't displayed in 100 years, I just kind of see it being a stalemate. Now, for everybody that's hearing this, I apologize, but that's not good for us. You know, and I hate to be the one to tell you that. Now, for me and my partners, that's great because it does nothing but, but make the price of oil go higher and they're, while they're chasing people out of the industry. And so it's kind of a double-edged sword. And, John, really, when we started this journey, I, I had some tear-ups emotionally, whether morally, you know, hey, Jay, you're making – you and your partners are making this kind of money when everybody's suffering. And, and I was kind of conflicted about it. And then I realized, hang on. Me and my partners, we're paying the exact same price that everybody else is. And so if I can be one little ray of hope in all of the gloom when it comes to the energy side, oh, man, I give my partner something that nobody else can. And so at, at that point, once I was freed up, once I understand, understood that I'm at least I'm helping a segment of people that otherwise would have no help, man, then Katie bar the doors. We, we pushed the pedal down, and now we're going full speed because – the American oil industry is looking for the next great American company. That's what we're craving for. You know, the oil industry has built some of the largest companies the world's ever known. But since the 50s, those American companies have really not been American. The minute they turned their eyes overseas and left American production in their rearview mirror, they joined the world community. Now, I'm not bashing them. That, that's, you know, that's what they have to do. They have to take care of their stockholders. They're looking for billion barrel fields. We're looking for... 10, 20, 50 million barrel fields. You know, it's a, it's a different game we're playing. However, you string together 50, 50 billion dollar or 50 million dollar fields, all of a sudden now you're talking about taking care of something that, uh, oh, if we can control our energy supply where we're not dependent on anybody else, that's the level of security our country really we need. I mean, look at Germany right now. Bless their hearts. I mean, do, do you think those people that are out there clear-cutting their pristine forest for wood for the winter, you think they'd be okay with getting their natural gas back by now? Well, that, that's essentially what we're doing. I mean, you don't have to look very far. You don't have to look back in the history books. Just look across the ocean right now, and that's the path we're going on. And so unless we decide to change, uh, what's the definition of insanity? Real quickly, we got about a minute left. Panix is considering some exciting New moves. Tell us what's on the horizon for your great company. We are putting together a, a preferred stock offering. And what we've seen in the industry is we've seen the, the oil and gas industry in America really just become a lot of tremendous companies, but really there are no Goliaths out there. And, and it's time for a company to get together and consolidate as many of the American reserves as we can. And that's what we want to do. We're, we're going out. We have a large group of partners that are pushing this rock up the hill. And, John, you and I both know nobody climbed Mount Everest until they first made the decision to do it. 
and that's what we made the decision to do, uh, panx.us slash learn. If you want to learn a little bit about us, see who we are, heck, kick the tires. <laughs> make sure we're, we're the kind of car you want to test drive. Don't even think about, about buying the car yet. Just make sure we're something that you would rather you would consider. And then once you consider it, if you want to take it further, terrific. If not, I promise you, I've seen more frowns and been told no more times than a dentist could ever dream of. Well, knowledge is power. There's no doubt about it. Jay, it's always an honor to have you on the show. You always bring a lot of clarity on an issue that people really care about what's going on in our energy space. Thank you so much for your time today. We'll be back in touch with you real soon. Thank you, John. Man, congratulations. You're doing terrific out there. I'm proud of you, man. That's awesome. Thank you, sir. That means an awful lot coming from you. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thanks for tuning in. A big thank you to Ed Rollins and Jay Burr. Two really thoughtful conversations about the future of our country, of energy policy, of the Republican Party, of politics in general, and how the pursuit of votes is changing. Conservatives are going to have to adapt. I hear that message from more and more people, whether it's Harmeet Dillon or Ed Rollins. The voice is becoming louder and louder that Republicans can't play just the day of vote because they start one, two, three, four hundred thousand votes behind because of an early vote shortage. That is something that's going to change. And you've heard Liz Harrington talk about it. So many people. It's time for people to get in the game. Even Devin Nunes, who's done it in California, he knows how it's done. He's one of the many big advocates for it. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Ed Rollins, always a delight. Jay Burr, one of the most insightful people on energy policy anywhere in this great country. So glad they can join us. Hey, tomorrow I'm going to be out of town, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So my amazing colleague, and one of the newest reporters at Justin News, Nick Jeeves, is here. He's the guy that broke that incredible story last week about the U.S. government developing artificial intelligence to censor Americans' opinions on things like election integrity and vaccine safety. He's going to stand in for me tomorrow. I think he's got Father Frank Pavone, a lot of other great guests waiting for you. I'm so glad. I'm proud of his work and like you to get to know Nick Jeeves. He's going to take over the podcast for me. I'll be back on Monday. Until then, God bless you. God bless this extraordinary country. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out justthenews.com. We're so grateful for your support. 